Storytellers AZ, a discussion group for people who make a living telling stories. Hello and welcome to another episode of Storytellers AZ, the podcast and meetup group for anyone who wants to tell better stories. I am Tyler Hurst and I am an actual writer. Today with me I have, starting to my left, Wendy Connerbeer. All right. What do you do, Wendy? I write and I edit. Next. <laughs> Matt Fox. I write at persuasiontheory.com. All right. And Joe Mana. What do you do, Joe? I'm the community manager for Infusionsoft. What else do you do? I also blog a lot. All right. Do you do email marketing? Yes, I do that too. All right. Who won your prize this weekend at PodCamp? Uh, I don't know, actually. I know one person did at the end. That small, that, no, who won the small, oh. the, the consult? Ah, uh, I forget his name, Matt, something from Splinter. Oh, Splinter Creative won it. Very cool. Uh, anyway, um, we just had PodCamp AZ this weekend. Uh, Joe was one of Which our presenters. awesome, by for the email, way. E- email marketing. Wendy was also on a, pa- on a writer's panel. Mm-hmm. Uh, Matt was there at least one of the days. Yes, one of the days? Saturday. Not both of the days. Um, tough to make, tough to make both days. It's funny, we actually heard feedback from both. Make it shorter, make it longer, make it shorter, make it longer. I'm like, guys, it's, it is what it is. Like, we can't, we can't really do much. Like, Buy your own Viagra. Um, anyway, uh, Podcast Z was great, but, uh, we are here to talk about how to protect ourselves from problem clients. Um, as people who deal with, um, I mean, I deal, I'm a freelancer, I deal with clients all the time. Uh, Matt's a sales guy, so he has to deal with clients. And, and Joe's clients aren't might not necessarily be outside, but they're internal clients. They're internal uh, clients and also working with contractors yeah. and stuff. So, okay, so there you go. So, do you see so a kind of a, a good mix? Um, one of the worst things about about being a, a, a contractor, freelancer, anyone who, who's really creative for a living is a lot of times you don't work on a salary. You work on a, on a, on a contract basis with people who have to pay you money based on what you produce. Uh, for me, I have always been dead set against, not always been, but have been taught to be dead set against hourly pay because I think it rewards people for being not very good at their jobs and it promotes inefficiency a lot of times because even if you do agree on a set number of hours, then going back and asking for another couple of hours for another couple hundred bucks to do something really cool, uh, can tend to retard a lot of a, a, a lot of projects and a lot of changes that that people make i know that uh in in my job working with with clients doing a lot of um customer facing things for them is i don't have time to ask for another hour of this or another an, an, another um solution is is i'd want to be able to understand that um that what i was doing would be compensated so i do a retainer based thing of where they pay me the first of the month and then we have an agreed upon set of tasks that we do every month. And depending on how long those take me, um, I may do more, I may do less, but over an, enough time, six to nine to 12 months, it always works out. Uh, do any so of you that's guys pretty much what you always do with a client? Yeah. When you take them on? Yeah. Unless it's a very small one, unless it's like a, like a blog post type thing of where okay. I'm just doing two blog posts a week, then it's, but still an agreed upon amount because, uh, anything that I do goes live right away. There's really no taking anything back. So the idea that, um, that I could be doing work that I'm not ever going to get paid for. There's no way to protect myself. Um, in, right. and Matt will tell us in a little bit that, 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 uh, contracts are extremely important, but they also are not foolproof. And that even if someone does breach a contract, then you have to pay money to take them to court to even do that. I know small claims court doesn't always cost money, but it costs time. 
Um, so Matt, your wife is a lawyer, so you know a lot about this kind of stuff. Yeah, right. That's like a, I'm a doctor on TV. But. Yes, Phil. <laughs> but so your your wife obviously probably hammers home the point of, of contracts. So yes, uh, I remember negotiating a lease that we had for one of my businesses and, and going, come on, what's the big deal? It's like a half of a half a percent that that will ever go wrong. And yeah. she just looks at me and she goes, I make a very good living off that half of a half of a percent. <laughs> <laughs> good point. Okay. All right. Um, yeah, I mean, contracts are very important. I, I'm from the insurance industry and that's always sold for contracts. So it's hard to do it. And I think you were saying at the beginning, you know, when you first started, you were worried about doing it because you didn't want to stifle your creativity or you, you felt like it was something to it. that was I didn't just- want to do hourly or, or, or no. Yeah. When I was first doing it, because it seems so impersonal. It seems so business-like to have a contract yeah. with somebody. That's what I hate. Yeah. I hate talking money with my clients. Why is that? I just hate it. I am. You're emotionally attached I, to your work. Yeah, I know. Yeah. It, it it turns the whole relationship into a transaction. Yes, it does. Yeah, but you know? that's what business is, and yeah. I think that a lot of us um, would love to be naive, and I would too. I would totally love to live in a world where, hey, I just get paid for what I'm worth, no matter. <laughs> oh, I mean, no, no matter no matter what, I get paid for the work I do based on what I believe to be the parameters of whatever I'm doing. But that doesn't always that doesn't always happen, especially for people who. Uh, make their living based on exactly what they're doing, like a salesperson or a freelance person. Because really, in freelance, you you're, you are selling. You're just selling something different. You're not selling a product. You're selling a service. Okay. And it's important to lock all those things down. But uh, for me, having uh, some sort of of out clause, of some sort of of contract termination language, is, is is very important. Because for me to do a good job, I can't be out looking for new clients as I'm working with clients. Um, and especially in a sales cycle, that's the same thing. You can only service so many clients at any one time, unless you're in a customer service way where you, you can line people up and deal with their problems. Mm-hmm. Um, well, and that's the purpose of the contract is, yeah. is what you're doing because yeah. you are contracted for a certain amount of time mm-hmm. to do certain things. Yeah. And as much as possible is going to be delineated in that contract mm-hmm. so you know what you're going to get out of it and what they're going to get out yes. of it. And then from there you can deal with, what, yeah. you know, if anything goes above and beyond, then great for both of you yeah and it's always project or goals based i know when my my dad first talked to me if you don't get a salary make sure you get hourly because you can make a lot more money but that's what he said that's what no if you can't get salary as a freelancer get, oh, okay. go go hourly because you, you can you can make more money and it's it's true i mean i you your your ceiling is much higher with hourly because you can work as many hours as you right. as you possibly can right uh which is why lawyers are so rich but it's <laughs> For me, I, then I always have to worry about collecting because then I have to worry about collecting after the fact. And I know this has a lot to do with trust in my clients, but if you're not getting paid up front for me, then I have to worry about whatever I do. Is it going to be paid back in any sort of positive way? Now, some freelancers will say, well, yes, that's why you have a three-month reserve and all that kind of good stuff. And, and I do have that. But it's tough knowing that they're getting something and you're not. I mean, if if Matt was selling you know, insurance. And every time he met with this person, they got a little, they got 10% of whatever, whatever he was selling them. He'd be like, Hey, hold on. I have no guarantee I'm getting paid for, for any of this. Like what the hell? Well, and that's what we were talking about. How to, how to deal with difficult people. I mean, in the insurance business, when we have people that come in legally, uh, we have to write their car insurance because car insurance is required by law. So there's certain things that we have to do. I can't cancel a policy if some, once we've written somebody, but I can say, I don't want to deal with you anymore. Here's another agent at another place. Call them. They're switching over the policy. I don't want to deal with you anymore. Um, have done that. Feels very refreshing to know that. Scary, think, scary at first, though. I, I would say I think that the biggest problem for 
anybody in the freelance type business or com- or uh, commission only type sales or, or which is basically what freelance is yeah. is you're selling you just get 100% of the commission yeah. um, there's this fear that if you turn somebody away there's not going to be something else around <laughs> yeah, the corner exactly. it's kind of like breaking up you know yeah. Yeah. oh yeah. crap it hurts so bad I'm never going to find anybody again and then you spend the next three months looking for someone and that's not going to work either because you're desperate and, right. and you'll just take anything <laughs> it would have never been that good oh my god <laughs> oh. far too much of my wow. freelance career has been rebound relationships with people wow yeah. huh <laughs> But the, and that's it. It's a, sca- it's a right scarcity mentality that there's a shortage wow. of people out there or business out there, and and if you don't take this one, there's not going to be another one around the corner. Mm-hmm. And then the other problem is, is if you take this one, you think about it, there could be something better around the corner. And I'm not saying hold out, but you want to make sure that you're going to get something that's yes. going to be a right fit. And you're well, paid accordingly to the pain you have to put up with. Yes, that's definitely <laughs> it. Wendy, how do you structure pricing usually for, for, for customers? It's on a client-by-client, project-by-project basis. Okay. Hourly, page-wise. different. Now, I don't word. like working hourly because, okay, all through school, my teachers told me I was too conscientious. So I take too long. I take longer than most other people to work. So I try to stay away from hourly because I pe- feel means, like I am. That means they're getting a good deal. Yeah, they are. <laughs> I am exactly the true. opposite because I said if you actually were paying me hourly for the for the time that I for the time that I feel is actual work, which is the actual writing or the actual editing, like research doesn't really feel like work or me spouting off on some topic that I already know a lot about. It doesn't really feel like work to me. I mean, I know it is, but I write fast. So I'm thinking, oh, crap, I can't tell this person that I that I physically wrote this in 15 minutes. <laughs> yes, it took me three hours and 10 years of, you know, three hours of research right. and 10 years of know-how, but people don't, people a lot of times don't understand that. They can't get that anywhere else. Right. So for creatives or for salespeople, that's always been, that's always been very so tough. Smart and that everybody, everybody Sorry, works yeah. at a different rate. Yes. So I, you can't really standardize that. And every project is, is different. Yeah. Everybody's needs are different. I'd rather pay $200 for one hour of work than um, $200 for two hours of work. For, oh, absolutely. You'd rather get over with. Okay. I think Jonathan Fields had a post today. Maybe it was Jonathan Fields. He talked about when you pay like that, when you pay extra money for, for someone to get it done a shorter amount of time, is you're paying, for the, paying the price of not being first. What that means is you're paying the price of this person's experience, this person's know-how, this person's client track record, all those kind of things. So when you go to a doctor and says, doctor's like, I'm the best in the world. I take an hour to do what I do and I don't make, and I guarantee that whatever your problem that you have will be fixed. It'll be $10,000. As opposed to the guy down the street who takes insurance, who's going to be a little bit less. He goes, yeah, but this procedure's going to last two or three hours. I've done it 50 times. I haven't done it 50,000 times. Our track record is pretty good. Like it's a 95% success rate. I mean, who are you going to choose? Um, I think most of us would hopefully, I mean, I would, I'd choose the, the, the $10,000 guy because my personal health is important. And I had this problem as, um, I, I went to a, a, a doctor a couple times for a infection that I had and I spent a year and a half dealing with not going to the really expensive one. But for contracts to work, I think that we also have to figure out exactly what we're worth per month. And so how do you determine how to do that? Joe, well, you may not negotiate a lot of contracts, but how you determine your worth, and I mean, how much time can you give to to customers or to colleagues? Uh, it's a very very tough question. I sort of come come back to this analogy of uh, the automotive industry. You know, some people might be familiar with the flat rate methodology, where yeah. uh, you know, let's say doing a radiator job uh, is two hours uh, by the book time, um, but you can get it done in forty five minutes. 
Well, and, and payment is, is go- going to be the same rate. Yeah. Um, and now what you get paid per hour is depending on how efficient and how thorough your work is, is done in that time. So I think for professionals and like the independent, uh, you know, uh, freelancers who are able to provide a service in a very timely fashion, the delivery time is less relevant and more of the results are much more relevant to the, to the client. Mm-hmm. Uh, whether you spend six hours on a project or an hour and a half, that's up to you. Mm-hmm. Um, and that really, to me personally, defines how much you're worth. Now, there's, there's other things where you're actually paying not just for the physical writing time or the word count or any of that kind of stuff. You're actually paying for their expertise uh, and basically the talent they provide. Mm-hmm. You're paying them for being them. Yes. You're paying for them for them being the person to give you the product. Correct. So Good way of putting it. I think uh, in general, I mean, everyone should be able to define their own their own self-value. It's not shouldn't be the client's perception of it. I mean, ultimately it is when they sign for it, but yes. overall I I you know, I'd say that definitely you want to make sure that there's there's some results around it and you're able to back it up. When you're not able to deliver on those results or you're not able to follow through on the contract details, then that's when things sort of go awry. Yeah, and now I'll add something to that because you're also a lot more comfortable to ask for money that you are actually worth when you have enough people in the pipeline wanting to work with you. Mm -hmm. If this is the last person and your only hope to write you a check this month for rent and shoes on your feet and all that other good stuff that you need this month, it's a lot easier to deal with crappy clients and all the other oh, stuff yeah. that goes on. So, and, and that's another issue, I think, that, you know, is how do you find clients and how you're doing, being a business person, oh, yeah. um, that I think a lot of people need to overcome and, and deal with also. Uh, I think that um, Pam Slim talks about this in her Escape from Cubicle Nation book, but other people have said it, life coaches or, or career transition coaches or whatever you want to call them, is the amount of savings you need, you absolutely need as a freelancer in order to make it, um, you know, six months, nine months, 12 months of basic necessities mm-hmm. because you're going to have some months of where you're not going to get paid or you're not going to get paid on time. Mm-hmm. Um, I've been very fortunate of uh, being engaged to Katie and having her live with me as we were able to work out that idea of all of her money goes to pay all the basic necessities. Half, you know, half of what I earn goes into savings and then the other half is our play money, is our buy stuff, go out to eat, go out to do all that kind of stuff or pay. You know, there's a couple of bills that I pay too. But that's worked out really well for us, and I know that everyone doesn't have that uh, that luxury. But if you, I didn't but, have Chris, I would be living in my car eating ramen noodles. <laughs> I wouldn't be quite that bad yet, but um, but but you can do that with yourself as long as you're you're. you're as my uncle always said, it doesn't cost any more to marry rich. <laughs> yes, Katie's loaded. Uh, thank you, Gangplank. Uh, but it's. But instead of just having, uh, you know, being able to depend on someone else, paying yourself first is 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 a big deal. And by paying yourself first, I mean it's putting money away that you just cannot touch. That that absolutely has to be part of, of what you're doing. Because no matter what kind of contracts you sign, what what you think you're worth or whatever, not there's going to be times of when you are going to be stretched out. Mm-hmm. And living paycheck to paycheck, especially when you are a freelancer, when you don't know where your next paycheck's coming from, is is scary. And that's why. Well, it's, and the problem is, is that they get caught up in the work. Yes. And not not you the part need to, that they need to look well, for work. Now I've got a job, I can kind of rest a little bit and just do the work. That's yeah. why I and I've had a huge problem with this, and that's why I put a a, a, a termination clause on my contracts of um, you have to pay me for the next thirty days. When you say that right, a contract's over, you have to pay me for the next thirty days. So if you say in the middle of the month, you owe me 
probably the next month. I don't remember exactly how I put it, but it was some, some sort of buffer because when I'm busy doing the work, I'm not out looking for other clients. And yes, I know I should be. Um, and that's something that I've had to learn the hard way a couple times. Um, it's a transition from doing the work and selling yourself because as a freelancer, you can use, there's three things you have to do. You have to do the work, you have to get new clients and you have to maintain old ones. And usually you can only do two of those at any one time. Mm -hmm. Um, and running infusion. <laughs> yes, it's running Infusionsoft, which apparently, oh, come on. <laughs> which apparently, which apparently makes sales for you. Uh, yes. we, they have given us no money. They are not a sponsor. We just yet. That's what we heard. That's what we heard is they make sales for you. Yes. Uh, we're also sponsored by Gangplank, but everyone knows that. But it it becomes just integral part of how you guys run things in order to uh, to have some sort of time to sell, maintain, and to and to do the work. Um, I know that uh, if you're in customer service, you don't really have to you don't really have to sell because people are coming at you no matter what. <laughs> right, exactly. They they have a concern they want to have it yes. uh, addressed. Um, I think I want to go back to one of your earlier points of the ability to cut a client off. I think that's that's important, but definitely reality sets in, and you need to be able to make the ends meet and be able to make the investment into your your emergency fund, basically. Um, and what you want to do is make sure you just check in. Um, that's my only advice is to both you as the, the freelancer provider checking in, but also making sure that the customer on the other end is mm -hmm. able to check in and stay in touch and they feel very involved. Uh, I think the more distant you become from a client, the more riskier they become to be a bad client. Oh, yes, um, yes. And if they don't, don't engage with you via phone or email or in person, and it's just a... Here's a monthly commitment, and that's yeah, it. And I always assume something's wrong if I don't hear from them every couple of right. days. Um, and this may just be me being paranoid, but I really do. It's not just when you. When you raised your yeah. eyebrows. <laughs> yeah, I, I've, I've been in that situation for a while now. How do you prevent that? How do you... Uh, that's a good question. You can't really prevent no, somebody I, from not contacting I mean, I you had, without looking like I usually, the weirdo. Yeah. <laughs> I talk about having uh, weekly reports with, with clients. Um, and I usually do that for the first couple of weeks that we're, that we're working together until I realize they're not looking at them nor they're looking at the email, uh, which is very frustrating because it's like, guy. Do you just put like a lolcat in the email and just to see I if they before. say anything? Um, and I was like, guy, uh, it's like, damn it, the world doesn't revolve around me. This is, this is for us to talk every once in a while. Like, I'm not just sending you these forms just for fun and, and you need to remind the client too that you can do your job better the more input they give right. mm -hmm. they give you and and I don't mean that that I need to be the center of their world Matt but what <laughs> it's just a, a little of like hey yeah uh you're doing and I, I, I don't even need a hey yeah you're doing great it's more of a I just acknowledge that I saw that your report you know, here's something that I think has changed in our industry that could that, that could possibly help. And a lot of people don't understand that because they hire consultants to solve a problem, and they assume that consultants have all the answers. And while we normally do, um, there's a lot of uh, of little company specific things that we may not get because I mean, Infusionsoft right. may do something different than I mean, there's whatever their competitors is. are that yeah. we can't even mention because they're not even nearly as good. But um, <laughs> but but how do you stay on top of that? Uh, well, like I mean, you work with contractors, right? Is there is there a way we do it in a different capacity? I mean, a lot of what we do is strictly in house uh, in terms of marketing and and the social media stuff and the blogging that we do. Um, but we do work with some folks on the outside who don't know all the inside conversations. Yeah. And it's funny when when they come back to me and I was like, oh crap, and it's usually my fault. I'm like, oh, just want to let you know we had a conversation with so and so about this and this and this. So we'll be working with a client and 
they will be, uh, you know, wanting to figure out, you know, w- trying to get up to speed. And it's basically your job to, with frequent check-ins and frequent meetings, it could be a weekly phone call, um, an email uh, that that runs the risk of sort of falling by the wayside. But yeah, at least a phone call would be great every other week uh, to be able to check in and give status updates and give context around things. Because I think as a freelancer, you're usually out of the loop. You know, Very you're providing so. the service from the from the understanding that you had when you inked the contract, and not necessarily what's going on up to the minute. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Do you do check-ins on people in sales cycle, Matt? Or what are I guess how yes. often do you check on people in your yeah. sales cycle? I mean, we used to do that. I mean, it was a monthly newsletter sent out every month for our clients, for our existing clients. Uh, you know, you see hear people talking about branding and stuff like that online, and I'm not a big fan of branding because the moment you are not in front of the customer, they forget about you. Yeah. And I don't care who you are. I mean, I don't think about Nike until I need shoes. Yeah. It's it's one of those things that I'm sending, you know, monthly newsletters, emails, other types of points of contact, just so we can keep our name and our face in front of them, and they know who we are. So that way, when they get their bill, they're not going, oh, you know, this is the only point of contact that I get from the guys when he sends me a bill. <laughs> yeah. I'm not doing contract work like you guys are, but as far as, you know, your reports and your weekly things like that, you're staying in front of them in a way to... to hopefully put more positive spin on the relationship and keep yourself. Newsletters are a very good idea, and I have tried to start one. I have sent out one. That's an excellent tip to uh, contact clients in a way that's not just asking for money. Um, because a lot of times, I mean, I still have my weekly calls, and, and or not, well, not always calls, but my weekly check-ins and all that. But, yeah, that most of the more formal, oh, prolonged meetings are just me there, hey, you owe me a check. Um, and unfortunately the, the dinner or whatever we're having is always, it's always a little bit slanted toward, you should just write me a check right now. I don't really care what we're eating. I just, I just want to check so I can, not so I can leave, but just so I can stop worrying about it. Right. Because at this point you're kind of like, oh God, I just want my, I just came here to get Debbie, paid. edit this out. <laughs> so the clients don't hear. Uh, he's not going to hear. He knows. It's fun. Um, <laughs> But just because you don't want to worry about it, but in, in their mind, they're fine with it. Like they don't care. So it's, it's, it's getting on the right page or the same page. That's, that's more important than anything else. Because in their mind, they're like, Oh, it's no big deal. I'm, I'm paying this guy on time. I'm totally okay. He's doing, doing fine work. But without you actually discussing that specifically or having it written up in the contract, there's going to be confusion. And most of the time is what it is. It's confusion. It's not anyone trying to pull a fast one or or not pay on time or whatever else. Mm-hmm. Something just got messed up in the back and forth. And I think that uh, having more opportunities to talk to them in a non-you-owe-me-money sort of way is definitely a great idea. Mm-hmm. And I mean, some of these writer people should you know have newsletters. Well, I, I, you know, a solution to <laughs> minimize... Uh, you know, minimize the overhead. And I think that's really what a lot of the concerns uh, discussed here tonight uh, is about the overhead of managing the clients yeah. and yeah. both on attracting them and retaining them. It's the overhead involved. Um, I've actually seen uh, some clients in terms of the contracting side, they use services, a uh, service called like FreshBooks or something. Yeah. It takes it away where you could still be personal and still mm-hmm. be, uh, still maintain that relationship. But what it does allow you to do is also have a separate channel for the payment. Yeah, I'm I saying, use hey, FreshBooks for that reason. Yeah, just just go ahead and pay me through FreshBooks. It's all good. And it just takes it away from, hey, all right, let's cut down a check. Yeah. So It's good. All right, we are, oh, we are way out of time. Uh, we appreciate it. Uh, Storytellers AZ is a podcast and meetup group for anyone who wants to tell better stories. We meet 
the second and fourth Wednesday of every month at Gangplank from 7 to 9 p.m. It's at 250 South Arizona Avenue, just north of Fry on Arizona Avenue in downtown Chandler. If you would like to send us mean email like Elizabeth thinks you want to, Tyler at gangplankhq.com, or you can check us out online at storytellersaz.com or search for us on iTunes. Thanks, and have a good one. Bye. Thank you for listening to Storytellers AZ. We'll see you next time.